there's some pig-faced bitch hiding in the closet ready to get you. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. We want to play a game this time. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, total joke, waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. Our show is built on our core belief that horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've each gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we tend to fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. Hola muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey everyone. The Scream Queen Paris. Hey sweets. And a new friend of the show, Jordan. Hi. There is such a wide variety of fans out there, folks. So we actually, Jordan, would love to know a little bit more about you. What's your connection to the horror genre? Um, So I've been a horror fan uh, for a very long time. I really got into horror. Uh, the first gory horror movie I saw was Final Destination 2, and it changed my life. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So the thing I love about horror movies is that it has a carnal ferality to it, and it really makes you feel something. You know, all humans have that, mm. and it really hits something within you. Like, there's no other genre that you're going to stay up at night thinking about all night, you know? It's really something that hits you as a human. Like you don't go and watch like a chick flick or something like that and you're all thinking about it afterward. It doesn't hit you in the same way. Well, at least not to me anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, not to get like super heavy, but I, uh, I suffer from depression and horror is like a security blanket to me, right? And uh, if I'm feeling low, I'll put on a horror movie. And it's uh, it's like, yeah, sure, things are bad, but at least a killer doll isn't chasing me, you know? <laughs> yeah, it really just puts things in perspective. And it's just, I, I love, I love it. I, it's everything to me. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that, Jordan. And what style of horror do you think you, you prefer most? Okay, I like gore a lot. Uh, the Final yes. Destination. Yeah, Final Destination and Saw are my two favorite series I've seen. All of the movies of the Saw and Final Destination franchise at least a hundred times each, probably mm. more, <laughs> uh, which is funny because I am terrified by real life blood. I I will pass out if I see real life blood, but movies, I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad I have someone to share my love with this uh, franchise because usually everyone's hacking it um, over here, not saying names. <laughs> I don't know that everyone's <laughs> hacking it, but definitely me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I also don't think Paris has been with us for a Saw movie, so this is going to be interesting. This is true. I guess we'll see where my allegiance lies. We will indeed. And Jordan, your favorite horror movie of all time, I know you, you know, love the Final Destination franchise and you love Saw. Favorite one ever. Uh, Final Destination 2. Mm. Nice. Brilliant. Yeah, because I saw it when I was 12 and it's just like, it shocked me. And the one of the deaths in that movie just really struck a chord within me. And I was like, you know what? I really like this. And I would watch the behind the scenes over and over and over. And that made me appreciate the making of horror movies even more and i i used to want to be a horror filmmaker which i still kind of do but i'm more on the writer side now i i like i like all of it 
Jordan, what kill was it? The ladder through the eye. Ah, such a good one. People get mad about that one, but that one's so good. I saw that at the first time and I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so many fake outs. You think it could be anything and then it's that. It's a slip on spaghetti. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is I saw Final Destination 2 before I saw Final Destination 1. Oh. So I didn't know what it was about at all. And I didn't know that death stalked them afterward. Like I didn't know anything. And so I was watching it with my mom. My mom saw the first one and she was just like, oh, hey let's watch Final Destination 2. And I was like, I don't know what that's about. And she goes, okay, yeah, sure, let's watch it. And she just wanted to see my reaction because she's mean. And <laughs> she thought it was hilarious. But it, I, the thing is that she hates horror now. And she hates the fact that I love horror so much. But I'm like, mom, it was your fault. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> well, it seems like your mom would fit in with our moms because I know at least Alexis, Paris, and I all have mothers who subjected us to horror at very young ages. Yes. Even grandmas. Great moms. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jordan is hanging out with us this week to discuss the third installment in a franchise. We know that Alexis holds very dear to her heart. Before we get down to business, we do have some follow-up to get to. We recently reviewed a movie called The Houses October Built as part of our Halloween lineup, and we wanted to know what our friends thought about it. You know, it didn't do great amongst our team. <laughs> sure didn't. But you know, Twitter was actually a little bit more kind to it. 56% of our fans, they gave it a slash and only 44% gave it a hack, but also that's very close. We have a couple comments. One from Tony who said, it gets a gentle hack. It was a simmering slow burn. And by the time the film picked up, there was a school bus. I enjoyed the characters and can appreciate their journey. I just wish the story was told better. Could I watch The House's October Built again? Maybe. We also have a comment from Anna on Facebook who said, Like Paris said, I have passed over this movie many times because of the title. I usually don't prefer found footage, but this felt like a well-made documentary. Like Alexis, I found it terrifying because I refuse to go anymore into haunted houses in the fear that they will kill me and nobody will save me because they think it's an act. This movie gets a slash for me. It was entertaining enough to keep my interest and stress me out as if I was going through a haunted house. By the way, having two episodes weekly has been love. Also, just became a patron. I will spread the word to my fellow horror fans to do the same. I love that because I don't want anyone to think I have this crazy fear. It's plausible, Alexis. That could happen. You will not catch me in a haunted house and I still haven't gone to one yet. Yeah, let's just like do it though, even though we may die and people may walk (laughs) by and think it's fake. Little did you know you were in a haunted house right now. Oh, is it really haunted? Yeah, look at the guy behind you. I did this with Ryan last week. I know. (laughs) I'm not looking out the window. Uh, I also just want to thank Anna for becoming one of our patrons. We really appreciate your support. uh, And sharing the good word with your horror friends is a great thing to do. We appreciate that as well. Um, Another new patron we'd like to give recognition to is Anthony. Anthony, welcome to our team. And thank you so much for helping us out. Absolutely love that. And Anthony has contributed... uh contributed quite a bit of knowledge to us and has even uh, went ahead and helped us out with a little bit of fact fictions for one of our December episodes. Mac, your job is getting way easier, bud. (laughs) I don't really have a job anymore and I love it. And that is our follow-up. All right, now this week we're looking at the continuation of a franchise known for its gory kills, elaborate traps, and arguably more elaborate plot lines. When last we visited this franchise, we saw a sequel in which Detective Matthews raced against the clock in an attempt to catch a notorious vigilante serial killer, and also try to save the lives of eight people trapped in an abandoned house, slowly filling with nerve gas. But hey, if you know these movies, you know there's no way everyone's making it out alive. This time around, we're continuing the story from that sequel, and yes, fret not, there will still be blood. This week, we're talking about the 2006 film, 
Saw 3. Now, Jordan, I know this one is one of your favorites. What is your connection to this movie and the Saw franchise? Uh, so I would say this is definitely my uh, favorite Saw movie Ooh. of the entire series. Yeah. Uh, so my connection to the Saw franchise is that I am a massive fan, of course, but I I don't know if y'all know who Lee Wanell is, but he's the guy that wrote the first three. And I have his handwriting tattooed on me right here. Cherish your life in his handwriting. And I also have his handwriting right here, too, but it's uh, Insidious-based because he wrote uh, Insidious. Nice. We're going to have to post these tattoos on the social media. So I don't know if y'all know, like, history about Lee is, like, he he's from Australia. Him and James Wan uh, were in Australian film school together, and they made a short film. And it was the scene with Amanda in the first movie but it was with obviously a different actress but it was a little short film they were not expecting anything of it but a los angeles producer got a hold of it and uh basically paid for them to come over and film the movie and uh so lee was just straight out of film school in australia and just became this huge thing overnight he also plays adam in the movies and uh the first and third movie he plays adam too and uh lee follows me on twitter which changed my life honestly i love him so much <laughs> that's awesome he's my favorite person honestly he's such a sweetheart and uh yeah i messaged him one day and i told him about how much the saw franchise means to me and he uh i said at the end of my note i said is there any way that you can write out the words cherish your life and send it to me in a dm so i can get it tattooed and he sent it to me in two different fonts he sent it in this font and then he did one in all caps he said you choose which one looks better and then he followed me and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Cute. That is such a beautiful story. Yeah, thank you. And I also have the uh, hacksaw tattooed on my right ankle as well. Very nice. So you joined us at just the right episode. I love this. Yeah, this is going to be perfect tonight. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> also to think such a kind gesture could come from the same mind that created such darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've met Tobin Bell a couple times too. He's a sweetheart. He's the guy that plays John Kramer, Jigsaw. I've met Shawnee Smith, who plays uh, Amanda, and uh, Hoffman, the Costas Mendeler. I've met all of them, and Carrie Elwes, who plays Dr. Gordon in the first one, and they were all super, super sweet. Love, love, love him. He was actually the reason I saw the first Saw movie and was not disappointed by him at all. Yeah. Alexis, obviously, this is among your favorites as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's... um. Kind of similar to Jordan. I don't know. When I get in these moods, I'm like really like, I don't know why. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start off with Saw 1 and then just go and see where it takes me. And I know, well, I forgot. Usually it's like around Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's Easter. It's definitely Easter movie. But um, yeah, it's just one that I just like hit, keep up and, you know, recently did like a live, did like live tweeting on it. And it was so cool to be able to see all the people that enjoyed all of it. I just, you know, I can only get so far sometimes and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to go backwards instead of forwards because I've seen the first like five or six or five plenty of times. But the other ones I have not seen that often. So maybe I should work backwards. Just start in the middle. <laughs> there you go. I actually like that. The sixth one is honestly so good. I'm like trying to think because I can't remember all of them. <laughs> like we, we were talking about this before. We're like four is this, five is this, six is this. <laughs> No, that's okay, Alexis. I do a similar thing when I rewatch Halloween. I always start with Halloween 1978, and then I'll branch out whichever multiverse I'm going. So on Halloween Day, I watch Halloween 1978, then watch Halloween 2 from 1981, then restarted that evening, 
Halloween 1978, then Halloween 2018. <laughs> so I, I understand <laughs> you get your, it. <laughs> your need to be chronological. I get it. Yes, exactly. Some weirdness <laughs> about me. <laughs> I will say I've seen many Saw movies and I often forget which ones have what in them. Um, I saw this one in theaters. I do know that. I saw, I think, all of the ones that I've seen. I think I saw them in theaters uh, because I was in high school at the time. They were like the horror movies of the age. So I saw all of them and I actually really enjoyed the first one. Uh, I also really enjoyed the second one. And this one, you know, I think things take a little bit of a turn. Um, but you know, we'll talk. We'll talk about this. I didn't see them in theaters. I wasn't as lucky. I got to see them on DVD. And I think I had like we had like a box set of one through three. I don't know if that existed back in the day or from if we just had three of them. It did that like clear box set. Yeah, something like that. But I don't know. I was I was lucky enough to be on the Saw two episode last year. And this is one of the three Saw films I've seen. Just three. Sorry, guys. The only one I've ever seen in the theater was the eighth one. And that was I saw it uh, the day it came out in theaters and I met Tobin for the first time the next day, which was really cool. What a whirlwind experience. Yeah. I love that. I've, um, t- I'm going to bum you guys out a little bit here. I've, I've said this plenty in our previous episodes covering this franchise. If this listener is your first one you're hearing, here's a quick recap. I loved the first Saw movie, was let down by the second. And then I've also shared that I saw this movie in theaters when it came out, like Paris, we're very similar age. And it was the point at which I decided I was done with the franchise. Oh, wow. I didn't. Re- I don't remember specifically why. Um, I just know that it left enough of an impression for me to have zero desire to ever revisit it. And for the record, the only other movie I've ever felt that way about was Cabin Fever. And we saw how that turned out when we did it for the podcast. <laughs> I came to this viewing, obviously, with a lot of contempt for this movie, but... In all fairness, I did approach it with an open mind, especially since there was about 14 years of separation, and I am now an entirely different person. But how were you all feeling during this watch? Honestly, I now have a different living situation than I have previously ever had in my entire life. Um, (laughs) So I was freaking more scared than I actually ever have been. I think uh, a lot of the... You get a lot of the behind the scenes kind of and see how things go um, compared to the first one and the second one. And it was just like, I'm like, oh, wow, that's how easy it is to nab someone in their house. So I got a little little chilly. Is this the movie you christened your new place with? It is. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Jeez. Filthy. I feel horrible. I, if d- Does it count if I watched it on my phone? Yeah, you still watched it within the confines of your home, yes? The energy is still in the home. How do I get rid of this juju that's in my apartment now? <laughs> Just sage. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I'll say that while watching this, um, I think, like Chris, it's been 14 years since I've seen this movie. Um, and I forgot like how truly dark-sided it is. Like there's certain situations where I'm just like, Jesus. But also there were moments where I was like, that's, I don't like that. That's kind of problematic. So I feel like parts of this movie haven't aged well, but like the essence I think is still intact. You know, the more I watch Saw movies, and I've, again, I've only seen three, and I've seen this one before as well, the more I just spend time like focusing on Jigsaw's motives. <laughs> and I don't know why it bothers me so much, and I get like really into his brain, but I don't know. Sometimes you can buckle in and see kind of what craziness happens with in the Saw universe, but sometimes, you know, my brain gets caught up on things, and I, and I stop soaking up the entertainment value, so... That's just kind of how it, the mood I was in this time. I was more in the analytical. Oh, then were you on a roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> this is strange, but I've seen this movie hundreds of times. I 
watched it today, rewatched it today. So it was very, very fresh in my mind. And it's the first time I've ever cried watching it. Ooh. And uh, I know we're not in the spoiler territory yet, so I will be quiet as to why. But I, yeah, I empathize strongly with a certain character. And it really took me by surprise, which I've always loved this character. But it really, I don't know. I was I was having a mood today. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Jordan, were you in your feels? <laughs> I was in my feels. I had my Dove Dark Chocolates and everything. And I was just... <laughs> Yeah, that is how horror movies are best enjoyed when in your feels. And usually everyone makes fun of me for it, but here we are. I'm very curious as to what character this is. I also got a little bit teary while I was watching this movie, but it was for one very brief moment that did not last very long. (laughs) I would say that it was so minor that I wouldn't even really classify it as a real feeling. It was more like a chemical reaction in my body. I did have two main feelings when I was watching this one, and the first... And really overall sensation I had was it not being as bad as I remember. There are some scraps of things that I appreciated. But the other feeling, though, was that this was very much like a Celine Dion movie for me. And by that, I mean, Paris, can you do me a favor? It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Yes, we here we are yet again on this podcast where I forget about so much of this movie. And then as soon as it starts... I'm just reliving all the reasons why I disliked it. So uh, this was a really interesting time. Some things that I, I found to appreciate, but a lot of things I'm like, ah, yes, this is this is the why. This is the reason that I was turned off in the franchise. So it was interesting. But Chris, were there moments of love and were there flashes of light? Yeah, there was a lot of flashes of light. And honestly, that's one of the problems, man. That's one of the problems. <laughs> I will say, though, that because it all kind of came back to me, there wasn't much that surprised me. But I was disappointed in how hysterical a few of the performances were. That's surprising for you? I mean... <laughs> I mean, the amount of hysteria was truly shocking. Like, th- yeah. there's like a, a regular level of hysteria for Saul, and then this was like a bad hysteria. Okay. I can't wait to explore that a little bit more. Oh, yes. I guess I was surprised at how well I know this movie. <laughs> I was like, yep, this, 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 and this happened. And I remembered the twist. So I was like, because usually like... I and really love enjoying these because I kind of forget the twists and turns and the continuation of the story from the first film. So um, I was like, oh, wow, I know this one fairly well. <laughs> Proud of you. Oh, thank you. I know it's only taken me years to watch this or how many years I've been watching this and I finally <laughs> got it. <laughs> Built into those memory banks. All the saws and all the traps. <laughs> all the traps. I, I was surprised by the quality of the gore, honestly. Maybe it's because I'm not a huge saw head, if that's a thing, I'm not sure. But I just forgot how just damn great it looks. It's seriously really good gore. The gore is definitely a huge element of this movie. And I imagine our gore score section is going to be pretty bloated this episode. Um, one thing I'll say that disappointed me were some of the choices. Actually, no, a lot of the choices that were made by <laughs> characters in this movie disappointed me. Um, and then I was also surprised by truly, again, how dark some of this stuff is. Because I remember there was a time in my life where I was like so obsessed with all of this. And I was like, wow, I was a really dark-sided teen. Um, and I'm still kind of enjoying it. Paris, I'm so interested to see, based on just like the very vague statements we've exchanged so far, I feel like we may feel similarly... Uh, regarding some characters. So I'm curious to see how this turns out in our scoring. Truly, who's to say? I, I was just surprised that I cried, which is crazy. I've just... Really? I've never cried watching any of these. And it just really, 
took me by surprise. You and Chris both cried. I need to know what this was. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? You get to a certain point in your life and you've never been more you than you are right now. You've never been more prepared <laughs> to feel things than you are right now. So there does come a point in your life where you could look at a situation completely differently. And I think the time that I've gotten away from this movie did well for me being able to like acknowledge some of that darkness that you were alluding to, Paris. And perhaps empathize with some characters in some regard. But this isn't one of those movies that's supposed to make you cry. I mean, there's like some tear-jerking situations. But ultimately, some of it's supposed to gross you out. Some of it's supposed to scare you. And I think there's really only one moment in this movie that I found slightly creepy. But just like that tear-jerky kind of moment earlier, it was very briefly lived for me. Uh, I found this movie not scary, but just gross. But like not even like cringy gross just like unnecessarily gross that's that's mm. just my brand though yeah there's one scene that i can't watch and i haven't been able to watch since i was uh 13 when i first saw it yeah i am very very good with gore but there's one scene in this movie that i can't even stomach and i have to skip it every time which surprises even myself Ooh, i definitely want to know what that one is because it might be the one i uh you know fast forward through <laughs> i'm certain it's the same for all of us <laughs> Jordan, though, were you scared during this movie? So it doesn't scare me anymore now. But of course, uh, when I was younger, it scared me. There there was one death in this movie that when I was little, I'm scared of the dark. I'm 29 and I'm still scared of the dark. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. And so I would, I would lay in bed at night and I would kind of like imagine one of the deaths in this movie in the corner of my room, just like sitting there and it freaked me out. And so... So it doesn't scare me anymore, but it definitely left a lasting impression on me for a long time when I was younger. Oh my gosh. Now I need to know what that is. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with being scared of the dark because the dark is unknown. Nobody can see through it. We don't have night vision. That's one of those like phobias that I don't even consider a real phobia because I mean, all humans, like we're all worried about it. But Mac, were you scared though? Of course not. Ugh. I mean, it, it didn't scare me. It, it's wince inducing, I'll say. So definitely had some some winces going on in my life. Not not really fear though. Okay, Alexis, be with me. You were scared, right? Oh yeah. Okay, thank you. I wasn't as scared as I was like when I was a kid watching these. Teenager, whatever I am. <laughs> you were probably I, like... eight years old. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was the same year, same age as me, so like sixteen years old. <laughs> but yeah, they were terrifying. But then I was like, you know what? This is why I'm good to people, and this is why I treat people good. So I don't have killers come and get me so i'm like i'm good with this one i can keep watching this like that's kind of how i feel but watching people get got in this movie from behind kind of kind of was really scary to me i got I from behind what a way got, to go <laughs> <laughs> You're got from i will say that i was very scared and i always am during saw movies for a multitude of reasons one the spooky pig face if that thing were to ever be anywhere that's why you turn the lights on when you get home. And that's why you like check the closets for shit because there's some pig faced bitch hiding in the closet <laughs> ready to get you. I have to go home after this, okay? Uh, you better look out because nobody's karma is perfect. Wow. To the spooky doll 
the spooky doll of it all on the tricycle? Absolutely fuck no. No? Hate it. No Billy? <laughs> no. I, ew, it has a name? Yeah, his name is Billy. Ew, why does it have a name? Because I think you find out later in the franchise. Oh, God. Maybe not. My biggest pet peeve is when people call Jigsaw the puppet. They're like, oh, that's Jigsaw. That's Billy. <laughs> I have a Funko Pop of Billy. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a life-size Billy that you can buy in most comic ew. shops, and I was thinking about getting one for Beck that way with my like, little collection oh my of creepy God. things no i i veto this idea i met the director of this film uh darren darren lynn boozman and i actually met the billy from uh, saw 2 they use different Ooh. ones each movie but i got a picture of myself with the actual doll from saw 2 which is pretty cool okay you said also, met and i was like is it not inanimate because that's unacceptable to me i'm gonna die <laughs> it's a person <laughs> also i'm a little bit of a psychopath i actually the first movie is kind of my soothing movie and i'll watch it while i'm trying to go to bed sometimes that's fair <laughs> and i'll fall asleep watching it yeah we do this too it's it's fine you're not a psychopath you're a regular person just like us i usually watch them when i'm getting ready in the morning so you're good <laughs> yeah i will tell you though i did the other night start falling asleep to a documentary on the golden state killer and if you know me you know that a lot of my favorite movies involve phone calls like the opening 20 minutes of when a stranger calls from the 70s mm. and there's a point in the documentary where they actually play audio of him saying i'm going to kill you in like his super raspy voice ew the real killer the real killer and i'm like Okay, no, this shit hits differently. I don't. I'm turning it off. I'm putting on a g- fucking horror movie. It's different when it's like you know it's a real person who actually did eventually kill them. For sure. I just want to wrap up my fear segment um, because the biggest scary thing for me in this and all of these is the pain because I'm not afraid of dying. Like, kill me. That's fine. We're cool. But the the pain and the suffering and the agony, unacceptable. I can't do it. And so to mm. just to imagine being in any of these freaking contraption booby trap things, I would, I don't know what I would do. I think I would choose whichever option kills me the quickest um, because I'm not getting out alive. I'm not going to, you know, slip my wrists to get a key. I will just die. Just kill me. Just shoot me in the face. I don't know. But this is horribly scary to me because I don't like pain. So what you're saying is you do not have the will to survive. No, absolutely not. Life isn't that <laughs> precious. That's fair. But to go back to what you're saying about the pig face, the, the pig face, the pig head. I'm not afraid of the pig head in these movies. However, I did play Dead by Daylight. Has anyone here played this? I've heard of this. I have it. Yes! There was a point where like, I was working on a generator, and then I just see this figure crouching, and this is like when the pig first became a thing, and I didn't realize anything. I'd never played with the pig before. And then all of a sudden, they just stand up in this red coat with the pig face and start like stabbing me, and it scared the shit out of me, because oh. the pig doesn't have a terror radius. So any other killer, you know they're coming. And this, though... The pig just sneaks up on you, and it's it's different when you're playing it. It's weird. It it got me. I don't like that one bit. I mean, I like bacon, but I don't want my bacon to get me. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, and the thing about Dead by Daylight is they put the head, the reverse bear trap on your head too, and you have to figure out how to get that off. That always freaks me. Yes. Out. Oh my gosh. And then you have to like you have to like go and find these little like traps to put your hands in that have Billy the puppet sitting on it, and it has that like fucked up laugh. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Saw isn't scary until you're playing in Saw. Even like the reverse bear trap though, like I would just wait out the clock and let it snap my skull open and then just die instantly so you don't have to feel all that, you know? I would try to be digging in my friend's body to (laughs) find the key. (laughs) 
<laughs> Honestly, Alexis, do you even need a reverse bear trap to dig in someone's body? I feel like you just do it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Honestly, sorry, my bad. He was alive. <laughs> <laughs> Giving me ideas. For as not scary as I found this movie, it, it is pretty unique, right? There's, it's undeniable how original the Saw franchise is, and the plot is wildly complicated. And I tell you what, no one does wildly complicated like this franchise. Nobody. Not even Pretty Little Liars. Big fan. They don't even touch it. <laughs> I agree with that statement and full, <laughs> fully back you on that. <laughs> Having seen both. <laughs> you know, it's, it's another Saw film for me. So there's some brutal torture and, of course, questionable motives. But this film adds a new feature that ensures sequels would continue for years and years to come. And you got to respect that. It's actually really interesting, Jordan, that you said that Final Destination and Saw are your favorite franchises. Because when I was watching this one, um, I had rewatched the second one just to like brief myself because I had watched the first a couple months ago, so it was still fresh. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, this reminds me of the Final Destination franchise in that they came up with a really original idea for the first movie and it was like amazing. And then everything since that has just been like a variation on the theme. Um, so I kind of grade it on a scale because I feel like it has an inherent level of originality, but like within the franchise, I feel like this movie still managed to do something different. I do agree with uh, writer Lee Wynell, uh when he says that the film is the proper ending to the Saw franchise. I totally agree with that. And while I love all of them, the goodness of it definitely ends after this movie. And I think everything else is just, I'm not going to say gratuitous, but extra, you know? Mm. And uh, I definitely... Uh, I do think it wraps up nicely, uh, but I do think that you have to watch the first two to understand the third, obviously, because it's not a cartoon. Like, it's it's not like a SpongeBob episode where at the end of one SpongeBob episode, like, Patrick and SpongeBob blow themselves up, and then the next episode, oh, they have to figure out how to put themselves back together, you know, and then it carries on like that. No, it's like, it's, it's actually a a story and you actually have to pay attention. Something really funny that happened to me, I don't remember how long ago, but I was on Tumblr and I found <laughs> this guy who was just trash talking the Saw franchise. And I was like, okay, what the heck? That was my burner account. <laughs> <laughs> and I entered his DMs and I was like, hey, if you don't mind, can I ask you, why do you hate the Saw franchise so much? And he said, well, I started with the fifth one and I just didn't get it. So I started, <laughs> I was like, bro, there, it's a, it's a movie series. Like you have to watch it from the beginning, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that you definitely have to have some kind of attachment to the characters to understand the motivations behind some of them. And it's, it's, it's not a standalone, but it's definitely something that you can watch and still enjoy if you don't understand it. Because the thing about the Saw franchise is it has its, its storyline, the long storyline, and then it has little games throughout. So, I mean, if you just want to go for something on Halloween, be scared. Yeah, go watch it. Uh, you don't necessarily have to know the whole long, convoluted flashback storyline thing going on that Saul has that I love, but is also very confusing to other people. You don't have to have that knowledge, but at the same time, it's nice so that you really get why characters do what they do. <laughs> now, you did say that this movie wraps up pretty well. Here's the thing. 
Right. Like, I agree with this being the end of, like, the first three movies. I think the story that is told through those three movies is is solid. I'm fine with the idea of the ending of this movie, but the execution of it left much to be desired for me. In a word, I'd say it's frustrating because there's, like, a redemptive opportunity there, not just for the people, but for the movie itself, based on, like, everything that I disliked about it up until that point. But the reveal of everything just felt so absurd and so over the top. That it felt like soap opera drama and less like, this is a fun horror movie. And I could have used a lot less, ah, do you see what we did here, energy. Like, I really wanted just a reduction of that. (laughs) But I'm also not the kind of horror fan that this movie caters to. So it is what it is. I mean, I sometimes like that recap because sometimes I'm so mind fucked in these that I'm like, uh, <laughs> but what? And then I was like, okay, cool. Like, th- and then that's why I, I do like the ending of this. I like how it wraps it up. And I, I don't think it necessarily is so on point like that, but um, I definitely think it, it gives like a lot of clarity to um, a lot of people who are into the gore and then trying to pay attention to the storyline. <laughs> yeah. The ending worked for me. I mean, the first time I watched it, it like completely caught me off guard in, in a really good way. Not in like, there's like some weird twist or turn that you were like, oh, you know, it, they were the pig the whole time or something like that. But no, I, I think it was really cool because it's just so shocking what you see on screen, like visually shocking. And the way that it wraps up with the characters, I think is why I stopped watching the soft films because I thought this is it, like it's done. And then I just never like picked them up afterwards because it was such a good conclusion. I mean, you gotta respect it for for ending not just one, but three different films in a nice, neat little package with a bow on top. And then the fact that there was more, I think for true soft fans, they were probably like, yes, like bonus material, more icing on the cake. But for me, I was just like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need more. I had the experience, and it, and it finished for me. So maybe I'm missing out on something. I know two of you at least will probably feel that way. But I don't know. It's, it's tough. I think one day I will have to sit down and watch the rest of the twenty uh, movies that came afterwards. Yeah, you definitely should if you've done all of Friday the Thirteenth. This should be your next. Uh, I haven't done Friday. all of them. I've only done seven or eight. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't yeah. it? It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth is such an easier watch than. Saw. You have to admit that. Like Friday the thirteenth, you got some goofiness breaking everything up, but Saw is just like, let's sit in darkness in death. That's what Saw is. It certainly demands a bit more from the viewer. Um, I will say, while the ending, you know, it didn't suck, there was one thing I remembered about this movie, and as somebody who never remembers anything from movies, um, and I watched this 14 years ago, there was one detail I remembered that was supposed to be a reveal at the end, but it was like the only thing I, I knew to be certain. And I was like, oh, wait, that was a plot point that I was supposed to not remember. So I was kind of like eh, underwhelmed by the ending this time around. But like Alexis was saying, there is like a lot of recap in this. And at one point they're recapping something that happened two minutes ago. And I was like, okay, I think we're done with the recap. We're, we got it. We're here now. Exactly. Last Uh, time on Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Two minutes ago on Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) While I think that it definitely is a nice little bow package, the first three, once you watch all of them, you'll realize that all the other ones have flashbacks to things that happened before one, two, and three. So it kind of gives you even more motivation to why the characters do what they do. Like half, literally half of the rest of the series, uh, at least four through seven, have reasons why John Kramer does what he does. 
flashbacks to his entire motivation. Half of it is flashback, half of it is what's happening in the present. So that's why I'm glad that it didn't end at three because you really get the full package. And as a writer, I really appreciate that because I'm someone who likes to write with flashbacks. And so it's something that I really enjoy that kind of storytelling and that I can't tell if I like to write with flashbacks just because I naturally do or because I'm so engrossed in this series that it kind of made me obsessed (laughs) with flashbacks, you know? So they put like bookends on it. Yeah, it's like a different way of approaching it instead of just doing straight up prequels, right? Like I think how much better Star Wars could have been had we gotten the prequel entries if you watched them as flashbacks. So like if you start the original saga, flashback to two and three, then pick back up. It's a different experience. It hits different. The machete order. Exactly. Now, we have a lot to get to here. Uh, there are a lot of mystery moments, right? So what scene uh, traumatized Jordan, a young Jordan at that. But first comes the scoring. And before the scoring comes the body count. Alexis, there's a lot of death in this franchise, but how many people died in this movie? It's crazy. I always thought there were like so many deaths in these movies. But I mean, 10, I think is a lot. But interestingly enough, I don't know. I thought there were more than 10. And it's just, I guess there's just, every time I see blood, I see death. But there's not necessarily (laughs) that correlation in this uh, franchise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not quite a slasher, but it's up there. I mean, I think we've seen Jason kill some more people than this. Oh, for sure. And in Ryan's absence, what about that animal report? Well, I think it depends on who you are, right? So are we seeing animals killed on screen? No. Are we seeing animals on screen that have already been slain? Yes. And used. (laughs) Right. But it's nothing more than you would get in any other like industrial food society. Yeah, this isn't as sad as Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, when we see a good boy dead in the closet. Nothing like that. I love Mac's completely emotionless approach to the animal report. (laughs) It's because he's our resident android. It's fine. It's bad. If you like animals, it's bad, everyone. (laughs) I don't know. Can you walk into a supermarket and, you know, (laughs) see the food? Some people go in there and, and it makes them nearly throw up. I go in there and I just see, okay, this is something that used to belong to a cow and now I'm going to eat it. You know, Mac, you may have been emotionless, but at least it's it fares better than some of the other movies we've seen. But let's go ahead and start getting into our scoring. Saw 3, was it a hack or a slash? I'll go first because last time on Dragon Ball Z, I, <laughs> I gave Saw 2 a hack. So I don't know if, you, if you've listened to that episode. If you haven't, go back and, and listen to it. Watch the movie do the whole the whole thing and then come back and then do the whole thing for for this episode. But this is also a hack for me, but I'll explain why. It's a genre thing. So as Alexis knows, as Chris knows, as Paris knows, Jordan, you're learning. I mean, you've listened, <laughs> so you've probably heard. I, I'm not the biggest gore head, so I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. I don't get necessarily grossed out unless you're cutting somebody hot dog style with a rickety old saw. <laughs> Different saw. Right. But for this one, for me, it, it ends up being a lot of torture and a lot of torture porn. And that doesn't hit the spot for me. doesn't, doesn't do it for me. So yeah, it's, it's a hack, but only, only as a genre thing. I also have some issues with the, the motivation of the killer. And that to me is always interesting because we've all seen too many, you know, documentaries about such things. And so it like programs my brain to look for that and to think about that. And maybe I'm thinking about it in the wrong way to enjoy these films. But I think if, you liked the first two, this is going to be right up your alley. That's why I think you need to watch the rest of them because you really discover why, why it's all going down. And and that might be the issue is that I don't have the context yet. And that as I go further, we can retroactively change my ratings at that point. 
but I'm not, mm. I'm not there yet. I have to do a little time travel. <laughs> I don't know that if you, like if you're in if you're at the third movie and you still don't have enough context to enjoy it, I don't think we can really go any further than that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you find out what's going down, but should you really have to like figure out why he's yelling timber to like go back and assess three movies worth of content? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't fly in my book. Was that a Kesher reference? It was. It was. <laughs> so I think there's no surprise here. I'm giving this a jigsaw. <laughs> a jigsaw? <laughs> That's a slash, not a hack. <laughs> but it's a total slash for me. Um, this franchise is something I continue to go back to year after year um, for my own demented reasons. But um, I love it. I don't know. I just, I love the twists. I love the storyline. Um, I love the gore. I think it's really... Um, the ingenuity like everyone has on these traps and just the minds of the writers, the producers, the directors, just everyone coming together to make a solid film. Um, Although I know it's gotten critiqued after this one that it, you know, is a little bit more gory and just for the factor of grossing people out, I do appreciate like the extent of the storyline and, I don't know, I just really love it. And there's a whole bunch of, with the flashbacks, there's, you know, just bringing old stuff into the present. And like, you know, Jordan mentioned just having this continuation of the story. And I just love how they just put that in there. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's this from the first one. Da, da, da. So I love that. I know Chris loves those in um, Halloween movies and I love them in this franchise. So it's a slash. That was the best slash I've ever given, I think. That was great. (laughs) It was certainly robust. So I'm going to give this a slash, obviously. Oh, surprise, surprise. Um, I really, I love, I just love this whole series. And I don't think I could give any of these movies a hack just because they mean so much to me. But if I had to give any of them a hack, there are a couple that I would choose. (laughs) If you were in your own saw trap, you already know which ones you would sacrifice to make it out alive. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what a question. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. There's some that I'll skip. Excellent. Like I said, I really love the first one. The first one's iconic. We can all agree. Um, really shook up the the whole horror genre, especially at the time. Things were getting stale and boring. Um, and then the second one happened and things got like a little bit bigger. You know, you go from being inside one room to being inside like one house and there's more people. And then this one makes it even bigger. And we just watched all these haunted house movies, but this was like the biggest, most miserable haunted house anyone would ever have to go through Uh, and it was so specifically tailored to such nightmares in that person's life um but i will say there was a time when i saw all these movies in theaters and after one of these movies i said i think i'm done with the franchise um (laughs) but this one wasn't it this one's still getting a slash um the gore in this is just sensational if you like gore this is really just mm, chef's kiss it's brutal it's over the top and it made me feel something so i love that um i will say that like some of the characters are kind of i know there's this one character that you're supposed to really like feel for but i was kind of just like "Mm, good riddance i didn't really like you um there's a couple problematic moments in this movie like at one point somebody's shamed for taking antidepressants and i was like i don't like that Um, But ultimately, like Saw explores the darkest and most disturbing nooks and crannies of the human experience and just absolutely puts them on blast. Um, So this is a place that I like to live. Uh, And it's definitely getting a slash. I have this theory, maybe that Paris, you and I are when you take like a pair of magnets and then flip them. And so they can't come together ever. We get so close. (laughs) And yet we diverge because this was the one where I said, 
I'm done with the franchise. And revisiting it now, 14 years later, right? Like, there is quite a bit of good that I can say about this movie. I really like the complexity of one of the main characters. I like the idea of seeing a flawed dynamic between a master and an apprentice. It's like very Star Wars in that way. In that way. I also think time has been good for my relationship with Saw and the brutality that we've seen in media since 2006 has jaded me enough where I'm not quite as disgusted by what we see in this movie. Like it doesn't it doesn't hit me quite as badly as it did back in 2006. Ultimately though, this movie still has a lot of flaws for me. So my preference is for very little gore. I like complexity of character but not convoluted plots. Complicated sure, intricate yes. I can even take absurdity on some level if that's like the only thing with it, which explains again my affinity for Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> but the but the levels of absurdity for me in this plot aren't the only thing weighing it down. It employs the exact style of early 2000s filmmaking that I detest. And for as interesting as some of the characters could be, they overact and the performances bring down what could otherwise be good characters. For those reasons, it's still a hack for me. 14 years later. And uh, just to just to bring back what I said, I, which is, this is going to sound crazy, but Saw 3 and Final Destination 2, my, fav- my favorite two horror movies of all time, I hate the ending of both of them. <laughs> hate the ending. <laughs> I love the journey, hate the ending of both of them. And sometimes I'll just skip the ending. Yeah. Well, yeah, this crazy. was a cliffhanger. I wasn't seeing it coming. <laughs> a last minute plot twist addendum. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jordan has just crafted this entire thing to be a Saw movie now because we've got to know. So there you have it, folks. Saw 3 ended up only making it out with three slashes and it did get two hacks. But we do have some important questions to answer. Like, why does Jordan dislike the ending? You can find this movie streaming online. Check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can actually unpack all the risks and learn about this movie and also dig deeper into our own psyches, potentially. With a scalpel. See you in a bit. Are you looking for a little adventure? Trying to squeeze more juice out of the lemon that is life? Come lock yourself in a torturously puzzling escape room. Solve puzzles. Find clues. Avoid certain death. All at JK Escape Room. JK Escape Room is custom tailored to each group of friends who struggle to make it through the doldrum of their boring, everyday lives. Each of our guests is safely sedated upon entry, waking gently to find themselves fighting the clock to escape our mind-tickling brain teasers. Work together or alone, we promise to accommodate any size group with challenges beyond belief. So keep living your boring 9-to-5 or lock yourself into JK Escape Room and forever change your life. Make your choice. All right, welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Saw 3, which actually earned three slashes and two hacksaws. We have a lot to unpack here, but obviously there's a lot of blood and a lot of gore and a lot of death in this movie. So, Alexis, what's our gore score? Well, um, I'm going to just quote Paris and say sensational. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, I think I'd be joking if I said it wasn't high. Um, <laughs> but I love, I like we've all said before, this one... It's really high quality. Max said it. It's it's quality. It's and I think it gets the franchise to a place where it's not solely, in my opinion, it wasn't. I mean, it was a point. You know, you have the twist 
flashbacks and then you have the gore. I mean, these are kind of what this movie is writing on. And I think after this, it kind of builds on those exponentially (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to where sometimes it's just like not anyone's cup of tea anymore. But I think this is like a perfect fine line for me where it's churning me off in a little bit, um, but not in a bad way. uh, That is a bad way. There's, I mean, I love all the traps. Um, I think I really want to talk about because I really want to get Jordan's perspective on all of this, um, especially because I'm wondering if we fast forwarded on the same part. Is it the brain surgery scene? No. Oh. Oh, interesting. What was it? Is it the pig scene? It was at the very beginning when he breaks his foot, his ankle. Oh, oh wow. To get it out of the shackle. <laughs> I can't watch that. That freaks me out so bad. That's so funny. I can't watch the brain surgery scene. And it's really cool because it's totally uncut. They did it straight from the scene and put that out. And um, not any different from what you see in a medical show either, which I thought was cool. But my thing is the amount of power tools used and I get it's supposed to be crude. It's supposed to be all of this. Um, but literally I always had to fast forward it because my teeth really start to hurt so freaking bad. Oh. Yeah. Like it, I don't know what it is. And I was like, I have to fast forward it. And, and then on Amazon, you can only do by 10 seconds. I'm like, bam, bam, bam. I'm like, oh my God, this scene is forever long. <laughs> like what the hell? Was it like 10 fast forwards for you? I think it was like eight. Yeah, I was like, man, this is a lot of passwords for this scene. But Jordan, I give you all the props for being able to, that was, <laughs> you could see that. I'm sure everyone else all watched it too, but it's hard to watch in my opinion. I gotta say during that part, I always say audio is like the secret to good gore. The sound that the drill bit makes when it taps on the skull before she mm. like drills is just like, oh, and like i feel like that would make my teeth hurt you know what i mean just like the little tap tap i'm like no don't touch the skull it's not supposed to be outside (laughs) you're talking to someone who genuinely enjoys the root canals that i've gotten what and it's not for any kind of masochistic reason i swear (laughs) i just i i i like the feeling of of course you have uh, like numbness to the jaw but i like the feeling and i like the sound of the drill and everyone always talks about how they hate the sound of the drill when they go to the dentist i like it i'm a little weird that's okay no, <laughs> it's all good don't feel bad when i go to the dentist it always makes me fall asleep what yeah i'm like the most nervous person because i have gingivitis every time i go so they're like <laughs> floss 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 i'm like do you have time in your life to floss because i freaking don't okay <laughs> but alexis you also have like the most perfect teeth i've ever seen um no i'm actually gonna get invisalign on the bottom but thank you wow <laughs> I have- folks if you've ever seen alexis you know her smile is one of her best qualities so this is surprising to me oh that makes me feel good. <laughs> Bears, that skull, the brain surgery and the sound of that, that's actually one of the only gore scenes I really enjoyed. Gross. Interesting. Not in a weird fucked up way, I promise. It was just like, I think because it was so clinical, like in every sense of the word, that it felt appropriate and like, okay, yeah, I, I can do this. But some of the other stuff we get, I'm just like, ooh, I don't like this. See, I'm surprised by all the scenes you've picked so far each of you because i thought the head explosion scene was going to be the one that nobody could stomach because at the very end oh at the very end the collar goes off and all we have Mm. is just melted mess of a human head Mm. been there seen it but see they didn't linger enough on that one that's true i wonder if that was edited out or something because it was so quick 
Yeah, compared to everything else that you're like forced to look at for a long period of time, they were just like, and her head's gone by. <laughs> That's the one that I saw in the corner of my room when I was little. I was so freaked oh. out by that. Like, oh. I. I know it was like for a split second and I remember looking at that when I was little and I was like, what the heck was that? And we there was no rewind because I'm pretty sure I watched it on like HBO or something. This was before TiVo. I know. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. But I couldn't rewind anything. And so I was like, what the heck did I just see? And then so I would just see that in the corner of my room, just her sitting there with no head. And it was totally an avoidable death, which is what kind of freaked me out the most it was like it was so avoidable and then she didn't she didn't deserve that so i i like it when i like it when horror movies have something bad happen to someone who's bad because it's not as scary because like they had it coming Q chicago he had it coming. yes <laughs> yeah and so like but when someone who is genuinely good something bad happens to them that just disturbs the heck out of me and i'm not saying she wasn't flawed but she didn't deserve that you know oh 100 percent. but also she like didn't say anything she could have been like husband don't kill that man because i i'll die too she was shot she tried she was bleeding out <sighs> where was she shot <laughs> <laughs> dude she was like woozy all this stress happening she's losing a lot of blood and she did make the attempt but here's the other thing her very flawed husband who is arguably the worst movie character in any of these movies that i've seen he just disregarded her this all would have been preventable had he just communicated that's all i'm saying i I think that was his issue the entire time but we'll talk about that when we talk about characters but i do (laughs) have a question for jordan what's your favorite trap in this i know there's not Usually there's a lot more, I feel like, in some of the movies, but what's your favorite in this movie? So I wouldn't say it's a favorite, but it is one that freaks me out the most. And it's the one where the girl is chained up naked and has the cold water on her because I hate the cold. Like, mm. more than anything, I hate the cold. I'm glad I'm in Texas. The coldest it gets here is, like, 40 degrees. But even that, anything below 80, I am shivering like a little chihuahua. And I hate the cold. And, like, so, have you ever, like, just gotten out of the shower and then you're just, like, freezing? That feeling? Yeah. Worst feeling in the world. And so every time that happens to me, I think of that scene and I'm like, nope. <laughs> I, I just, it freaks me out so much. Like, the thought of being just, like not able to move and just being in a freezing cold. Like she's in a walk-in freezer. Yeah. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know how cold that is. Imagine being buck naked in there, having cold water shot on you. Just, oh God. Yeah, no. I used to work in a grocery store and even going in that freezer was just too intense. That was the only place I was comfortable was in the produce freezer. I was going to say, you're like, thank God. I would walk in and breathe. I was like, ah, the temperature I need, 32 degrees. It's crazy because I don't, like nudity isn't really at least something I notice in Saw movies. Like it's never a thing. But then I was like, oh, wow, there's tits in this movie. Is this a slasher? Like, (laughs) is this an 80s slasher? It's the only Saw movie with nudity. The only one. So they had a t-shirt on her and then it was too sexualized because her nipples and all that sort of stuff. But um, so they decided to do it with it off, which... Honestly, I didn't really, I mean, I wasn't focusing on the nudity. I was like, oh my gosh, she's freezing, which, so I think they did it tastefully as as tasteful as you could do freezing cold hard. Yes, because even with a naked woman, you know, the last time we saw a character like that, she was getting cut in half with a saw and terrifier. They didn't exploit it. They like chose for a lot of close-ups, a lot of things over the shoulder. They're really just focusing on her instead of her body. 
So it's something that I could at least appreciate in that regard. And then they have that Christmas story moment where his, you know, <laughs> he puts his tongue to the to the flagpole. But in this case, it was the cheek to the freezing metal pipe. That was fun. And just seeing it rip off. Yeah, they did that so well. I mean, everything. Even when um, the officer is putting her hand in that acid and it comes out and you can see the... I mean, not that they wouldn't pay attention to that because it's saw, but like even has her hands coming down, you can see the bones and... These are great effects that they have. Can we talk about that kill? Because it was my personal fave. Um, I do have a couple, you know, opportunities here. I think that she could have tried to dump out some of the acid before doing that. She obviously couldn't pull it down, but she may have been able to lift it up a little to pour some of that out because it was a beaker. But ultimately, like, that was a beautiful, like, torture machine. The way it was, like, fused into her ribs like that. But then I'm also thinking the whole time, like, even if you get the key... What do you have to do to get this off of your ribs? Like, what is that going to feel like? Because probably just going to sit there and wait for it to rip me apart. Yeah. I mean, really, even if you defuse that, it's like something in there is wrapped around your ribs. So it's like by design, it's already fucked no matter what. I saw online someone goes through. I think a lot of people actually do this. So it's not just one individual. They go through and say, how to beat every saw trap. This guy's like, nope, she was fucked. Oh, interesting. (laughs) The best she could have done is try to take some of the acid, if she could even, and try to pour it on the thin pieces of metal that were actually rigged and attached to her ribs so that when the machine actuates, it doesn't lift that part. But either way, you're stuck in there with the killer. You can't actually get out of the trap physically. That sounds miserable. If If the solution is pour acid on your body, who wins? No, I actually hate the angel trap. Uh. (laughs) I think it's so overrated. And it's just like, I don't, I I think it's, I don't know. I just don't like it. Uh, Every Watch Mojo video I've ever seen always has that as number one. And I'm like, no. Uh, my favorite my favorite of all time is actually in saw six but yeah i think i think angel trap is super overrated just for me but i will say one trap in this that does another one if i can add another one that absolutely does not seem feasible and where the guy has to pull the chains out of him and he has the one through his jaw yeah mm-hmm. no you can't survive that that's physically no that's not coming out like you're screwed dude <laughs> no way because and here's the other thing right like let's pretend even if even if you discount the welded shut door and let's pretend it was anywhere else but his jaw his achilles tendons are fucked and he now has like all these like open wounds and stuff the best you could do is just try to put as much in between you and that bear bomb as possible to like take the nails out of the equation like when it explodes and he's still standing after he does that it's like that's not very realistic but okay (laughs) yeah that'd be one i could not pull we have seen so many people get their achilles tendon swiped at and that is like an instant they're going down like in uh uh, House of Wax. Jared Padalecki gets his nails slip, snipped, oh. and he just oh god, that part creeps me out. And then uh, Pet Cemetery, when you just nice little swipe at the tendon from under the bed. <laughs> oh yeah. Even in this film, though, they do explain why they couldn't break free from these traps because Amanda's not the jigsaw that we've grown to to know mm-hmm. in the first two films, and that, I guess that's the whole point of. At the very end, when we see that feedback given of like, you know, they had no chance of getting out. You did this wrong. Like, you should feel bad. And I I thought that was actually one of the best parts. If you're going to introduce this new dynamic of having Jigsaw accomplices, you know, is like you have to carry on the tradition the right way. 
Otherwise, you're just a completely different person with a completely different method. And, and that was that was interesting. And that was what I was mentioning earlier, where that new element in this film carries on. And I know that it carries on story-wise as well um, with perhaps other people. I haven't really watched them, so I don't truly know. But I found that kind of a, a neat idea. And I think it was cool that we get to see the OG Jigsaw saying like, no, no, that's not how you do it. They got to have a real chance. Like when Jigsaw says that I despise murders and Amanda was just a straight up murder, at least Jigsaw gave them a chance, even though oh, he's still a murderer, like that whole, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> he's Thank still you. a murderer. You put him in that situation. <laughs> yeah. You put two people in a room and they're like, one of them's forced to cannibalize each other. You're a murderer. You know, that whole thing about whole Jigsaw's not a murderer. That whole thing always drives me nuts, but... A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's one of the other issues that I have with the movie. It's, you create this illusion, right? Like, you you have a villain who you can feasibly attempt to root for in the way that so many other people root for Michael Myers, root for Freddy before the 2010 remake, root for Jason. You see bad things happen to generally badish people, but then you have Amanda just... Killing people to kill people. And then a lot of the people in this movie, you know, the judge did his job. Granted, you want maximum sentence whenever. But the judge was not someone who directly killed his son. The judge the judge proceeded over the case. You know, the woman made a mistake and didn't stay to be a witness in, in the whole thing. You just have people who have already dealt with things and it just... I don't know, man. It just it just fucky. It's fucky. You have people I think who don't really deserve to be there, and then you have this person designing traps that are unwinnable. And I think it just takes away from the root of like why the first couple movies were decent, even if I didn't like the second one. It just like worked against its own core message. But that was the point, right? Yeah, I don't like it. Right. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> it's fine if it's the point. I just don't like it. But even Jigsaw's motivations, I, I have trouble with this. It's just what a jerk thing to do of like, I'm going to torture you. And if you survive, you're going to be thankful for it. It's like, dude, you could just like go do a seminar about <laughs> finding meaning in life and, and some mindfulness techniques or something. You don't have to like Ayahuasca. lock people up and make them you know fight to survive like that's the problem i think that kind of draws my attention away from the rest of the filming that's happening everything going on story-wise and character-wise is like the whole time i'm thinking like you're just being a jerk like i don't understand why you're doing this to people how can you sit there sir and make jeff go through a test of forgiveness if you cannot forgive other people for being imperfect like that in itself is fucking stupid right but speaking of the judge I know it wasn't his trap, but his death was kind of hilarious to me. It was just kind of like Three Stooges level of like, oh, I got it. And then he like, he's like, oh, you know, I think we, and then boom, done. (laughs) And it's like. Maybe I shouldn't stand there. Great, great, uh, great symbol though for this guy's selfishness destroying everyone around him. Oh, yeah. It was definitely related to stupidity. I have a question about that one because the judge is facing the right of the frame so that way his right side of his face is exposed but then when he gets shot the gore is on the left side like what yeah is that just a mistake that made no sense it's gotta be i thought he got shot on the left side 
Because he like looked this way towards the gun when it happened. Yeah, I thought he looked when he heard the sound or something. That thing must have been so quick that you couldn't even see him look because he looked like he just <laughs> went down. <laughs> I need to watch it frame by frame now. <laughs> Hold on. Going back to the rental I had. Yeah, Roll we need to consult New York on this one. Let's get an instant replay going because that seemed a little problematic. But I noticed that today. I was like, what in the world? That's a, that, that was in the wrong <laughs> position for that shot to shoot that side of his face. Exactly. And then Timothy Young was an, another one like I, I think that one was a really interesting death and only because you see the flashbacks of him killing dylan and you see the grief and the weight he must have been carrying this whole time and to see him go in such a twisted way and arguably more gruesome than the people that the trap was even intended for that was really fucked up. Yeah, that one was so rude, to be honest. Rude, rude, yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd say that, too. The disrespect in this household. Exactly. <laughs> no, that was... Uh, I, I remember watching that back in March, and I was like, holy crap, like... Just one, the guy's screams are, like, haunting, kind of. Like, because he, he's just like, are you kidding me? This is... And I get sometimes you make a mistake in life, and it's ruined your life, Um but I don't know, just for him to go out like that. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. And then to see those bones, I've never broken a bone before, Mm-mm. nor do I ever want to, if that's what it looks like. <laughs> or I've seen all these like basketball stuff and it's like, you know, I don't watch basketball, but I see all the videos like on the news or something. It's like, look at this. And I'm like, how, how does that happen? <laughs> I haven't so broken good. my legs, but I did tear my ACL when I was playing football. And literally, like, your leg is going the wrong direction. It's awful. (sighs) And I'm glad I couldn't see it happening because I was running and looking forward. But, you know, I I got hit. And then my just like my leg just turned a little bit too far the wrong way. And no, it's horrible. Don't like that. No. See, I'm a wimp. (laughs) I know. I'm a wimp. I can handle gore. I can't handle bone breaking. It freaks me out. Mm. Is it the sound or like just seeing it? Probably a little both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just seeing it like poking through the skin like that, just like shattered. It's like, oh. Bones belong inside. <laughs> I would like to comment on a rather underwhelming kill, which was the asphyxiation of our friend Adam from the original. Um, PSA to everybody out there if you are being suffocated with a piece of plastic and you have free hands, poke a hole where your mouth is. This will allow you to breathe. <laughs> I hate when people die this way in movies because I'm like, well, you deserve to die because you don't have common sense. Oh, gosh. They always go for the person trying to asphyxiate them. They never go for the plastic bag. That's crazy. I mean, it's a quick, surprising moment. I actually did not mind that so much. And of course, granted, you point out a very good point, right? Like, it's impossible to watch this now. But it (laughs) reminded me of another kill and another one of my favorite slashers which we will eventually review. So I'll not reveal which one, lest we piss off Paris. Tell me what it is. No, you can't go in with any preconceived notions, but we'll get there. So obviously the gore is a strength, right? The deaths are a strength. The traps are intense. And they're all strengths if you're into that kind of thing. The color grading for me, though, was interesting. And all the the overall decisions in post-productions that carry over from Saw 2 are just super problematic for me. If you were to like take anything, right, if I were to make a pros and cons list about Saw 3, it would be the style of it that is that weighs it down into hack territory. The quick flashes of light, nah, don't need it. It's a style I truly, genuinely hate. 
I hate grit. I hate grunge. And those are like the cornerstones of this franchise. So I won't beat a dead horse. I'm done. But I truly hated this movie visually. I agree. I agree. Oh! I agree with that. I hate the fact that there's like a green tint to it. And it, it just, it makes it, as someone who makes like edits, and I edit like fan videos and Photoshop things for like Tumblr, things like that, my own enjoyment. Uh, it makes it extremely hard to make edits from when the quality is so grainy. Like I was watching my Blu-rays and I realized just how grainy it was because of the color grading it was given. And it was like, doesn't look good. And the whole uh, stylistic choice of how they have flashbacks, how they'll have like really quick flashes of things in secession. And it's very, it's kind of like a, like a dolly turning around, you know, and it kind of is to disorient you. But that is just completely overdone a lot of the times. And it's really annoying, honestly. And I I, I do kind of like the stylistic choice of it because especially near the end, because that's usually how all the Saw movies end. It has that quick succession of scenes in a row. It's very reminiscent of when they say that your life flashes before your eyes when you die. It's It kind of reminds me of that, which I like that symbolism, but it's like all this light flashing. At, no, I, it's too fast. <laughs> it's very disorienting yeah you don't need white frames to break it up right i i don't i don't like that if you're prone to seizures or epileptic you should not watch any movie in this franchise i agree exactly fair and valid it, it dates it severely it makes it feel like those old like anti-theft videos where it was like you wouldn't download a car yes i would like that's <laughs> the feeling that you get from from watching those like flashes and things. It's just like, oh, am I watching Triple X, you know, with Vin Diesel right now? Is this like, is everything extreme because we're flashing so fast? I can't even say I'm mad about this. Like generally as an aesthetic, not a fan, but I feel like that's what the Saw movies are. They're grungy, they're filthy. Um, and I feel like the, the quick cuts allow them to make you look at something horrific for longer than you realize you're looking at it, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. It like tricks the mind into seeing too much. You could just show it for longer. That would be one method. <laughs> but I feel like that wouldn't be as good. I feel like if they just like showed like a straight cut of like each gross like body part snapping off or whatever, I feel like it wouldn't be as good as if it was like that, 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 that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I get what you mean, right? So it makes it a little bit more visually stimulating to some folks. But again, it is very dated. It's very early 2000s. And that's exactly the style and time. Like, Oh, for sure. Okay. People being your authentic self. Awesome. Amazing. Be who you are. It doesn't mean if you're a shitty person that I have to like you, right? Like <laughs> if you authentically are just an asshole, then I, okay, you go over there be an asshole. I'm sure you got a lot of asshole friends who like you. I don't have to vibe with you. This movie can be its authentic self, right? And like, yes, that's what Saw is. I'm going to go over here chilling with Halloween and I'll be good. Like, it's just, I respect <laughs> you if you like it. It's cool. But if, if I'm asked about it, I dislike it. No, Chris, maybe you can get down with me on this. Everything we've said about the movie, because we, we both hacked it, you got to give it credit for the set design because it's phenomenal. 100%. Phenomenal. I mean, it's it's a maze of horrors. And it's it's so cool that it's it's bigger than than previous films felt. And sometimes that's a bad thing. I'm really, like, really okay with a, with a small, limited space that can have its own element to it, like we saw in, in Saw 1. But this one, like this factory is what it feels like a factory of death and it every detail 
is is crazy now part of that is like all the small things feel really grungy and really dirty and like all the tools are all old and crappy but that that kind of adds to the feeling of all of the traps are like man-made by hand individually customized to each user and it's it's extreme but it's an extreme that i enjoyed from this film i'm on the same train as Paris because I appreciate the grittiness and the color gradient that's in this. I don't know. To me, it is what Saw is. It is kind of goofy, but I I don't know. I like it, you know, and clearly I'm not sure the movies beforehand, but this is when I think of when I've seen other movies do this, like the collector um, that we've also reviewed, like I'm like, Oh, I've seen this before. Oh, I saw it because this, I don't know if this this movie or this franchise started it, but I don't know. I like it. It's the green. I, you know, I'm a blues and greens <laughs> kind of girl. Like, I don't like reds. I don't like... Uh... You're such a winter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the earlier seasons of Supernatural, how everything's so dark. Mm-hmm. But then, like, as the series goes on, it gets lighter and kind of like more like a sitcom rather than mm-hmm. something that was so dark and dingy. That's why I prefer the earlier seasons of Supernatural. Natural. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but yeah. the earlier seasons are much more horrific. Now they're just like goofy. I'm a massive Supernatural fan, but I, yeah. <laughs> I started Supernatural when I was on deployment many, many, many moons ago. And then I went home and I forgot to continue watching it. I should probably give it another <laughs> shot. That's valid. I got to give my favorite visual element um, to a specific part of the set design like Mac was admiring. It is Amanda's little nook or is that even a room what is that i don't know um but you kind of see a lot of little details in the background specifically she has a small print of the birth of venus on that wall which kind of gives you this insight like she fancies herself this sort of like reborn female deity of death and despair um it kind of gives you like an idea of like who she is and like what where her head's at um and then you kind of see that unravel in this movie that is quite genuinely the most paris observation and i'm here to support it <laughs> i saw that because it was like a little pop of color in like an in like a space that was super dingy and i was like what is that oh that's definitely the birth of venus and that was definitely a thoughtful choice <laughs> i would also like to acknowledge the rotting pig in the room uh which is that entire scene and how nasty and well crafted those dead pig carcasses all were the first one comes out and it's like covered in maggots and you're just like, Jesus Christ, what is this? What is it doing here? Um, and I could literally just like smell and or taste that whole experience in ways that I never want to. And that was all done visually and through audio. So what does that taste? How would you describe that flavor? It's like sewage, but there's also like gross textures involved. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, so now go a step further. Describe the taste of sewage. <laughs> <laughs> Poop water, but I guess with like more pig rot? I don't know. What was the rotted pig budget in this movie? Because there were so many pigs. Well, they had to like keep getting more pigs and the more takes they needed, right? Oh God, probably. Mm. Yeah, that was gross. You know, what's funny is I have not eaten pork since I saw this movie when I was 13. I refuse because of that scene. I Understandable. <laughs> I always go for the turkey bacon, turkey sausage. I will not eat pork. Thanksgivings, I'm like, y'all better make a turkey because I'm not eating the ham. <laughs> I don't know why. It just, it stuck with me to the point where I literally c- just can't eat pork anymore. It's it just, no. Absolutely not. And I know that's obviously not how pigs are prepared in slaughterhouses, 
necessarily. I don't know. I don't want to know the detail. I don't want to. Uh. At least sans maggot, maybe. <laughs> yeah, sans maggot. No, exactly. because <laughs> pigs don't sweat. So they have no way of removing parasites from their body. So all pork has parasites and you just cook them and then it's fine and you eat them. But I'm not okay with that. What? I too am not a fan of pork. Pigs can't sweat. They're, yeah, that's why you have to cook it's it. It's gross. But why would they ground them up like that? Like, realistically, like, what's the point? I, I don't know. I just don't eat pork either. <laughs> I know that scene grossed you out, but do you have a scene that, like, was the best of all of them? Hmm, very interesting. It's tough for me. So I think there's a there's a lot of good ones in here to, to pull from, and there's some that we could have done without, obviously. But it's it's hard to separate like the torture and the kills from like the rest of the story developing in my mind, like when I'm trying to pick out a scene. And that's probably again a genre issue for me. I kinda liked um the first scene. I, not I guess not even standalone. Um or not the first scene, but um the scene where you have the doctor and she's in the bed and you're just like if you hadn't seen this movie before you're not sure what's going on and you know when he's like you know what i want you know a divorce and you're thinking oh wow there's two separate plot lines and i mean i don't know i kind of like that and you're just kind of getting to know her character a little bit well and then i think all the flashbacks with the um husband too those i appreciated because i think like I was like, this guy is the biggest jerk. And then I was like, oh, wow, he's just not handling like his grief in a way that like it. I mean, in a way that I would. So like I can't judge him for that. (laughs) His toxic is just being exacerbated. That's fine. Exactly. Although I have been mentioned I in the purge, I would kill someone. But so if there was that person was in a saw trap, I'd be like, peace out. Like (laughs) I'm going to keep going to the end. Like. But yeah, no, I, I appreciated those sorts of scenes. But yeah, you're right. Nothing really like stuck out to me. I think because I just enjoy these movies. Um, just all. I think if I had to pick one, though, I know this the, the leg breaking grossed out several of you. But that scene kind of shows us who Amanda is as a person. And I'm not going to, you know, turn down an option to see uh, to see Donnie Wahlberg again, because what a great actor. But um, I, I liked that kind of sequence of events. I thought it was cool because um, it's like, what what do you have to do to survive in something like this? And then even when you do that, even when you break your own foot, like, do you do you make it out? Because probably not. Mac, I thought for sure you were going to finish that sentence with, I wouldn't give up a chance to see Donnie Wahlberg get killed again. <laughs> because that's the boat I'm in. Yeah, same. Paris made a face when you said Donnie Wahlberg. I'm like, yes, okay. So we're at least aligned on this. I can't stand him. <laughs> but here's my thinking here, right? You, there is a point where you can't bring yourself to like saw through your own foot. But when you saw through your own foot, is that not just like a particular level of pain and then once detached, like you have that same amount of pain consistently, right? Versus then breaking and crushing your foot and all the bones in it and then you have a pulsing level of pain and then additional pain when you put pressure on it. I feel like you'd be better off with no foot. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, bludgeoning to me mm. feels less painful than like serrating the skin. I'm not yeah. sure why. I wouldn't be able to cut my own foot off. I've never done either. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get through the bone with that hacksaw, though. Mm, somebody did. Yeah. I know, but was it? that wasn't real life, though. <laughs> Still a movie. <laughs> you don't know if it could actually. I don't think it could. That was a plot hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're checking into the to the movie universe, I feel like the, the process, right? Equivalent pain in very different ways. But I'm thinking about, like, the future, right? Like, 
like once you get out of this shackle, what do you have to face and traverse? And putting a lot of weight on that is going to make you fall and stumble. Not saying you'd be better off with no foot in terms of like not falling, but I feel like the amount of pain, you're just like inflicting more bad on you. It's like an extra level of inconvenience. And depending on how badly it's bludgeoned, they may have to take it off anyway. Exactly. I would have to say that my favorite scene, I honestly, it's stupid. And they did flash back to a scene like two minutes ago, but... I enjoyed the exposition and like the the supercut of all the events that kind of painted the the other picture of what was going on with like Amanda's game. But then I also really liked the original the setup with the doctor where he was like my heart rate is it tied to this collar that's going to shotgun blast your head off if I die. It reminded me of Speed but in like a much more intimate sense. That's a very good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. A small problem with that portion and I guess in retrospect, looking at the end of the movie, there was a bit of a time delay there between flatline versus shotgun collar explosion head. But <laughs> is there not the possibility that he could flatline during a procedure and then she could then resuscitate him? So what happens if... I was thinking about that. What is, what is even? They didn't really care. Yeah. They let her open up his brain. That's crazy thoughts. Yeah. Yes. The part where he's having the seizure and he like pukes blood into the oxygen mask... Oh, I can't stand that part either. While I said I hate the ending, which I do, I do love seeing Amanda get so worked up about everything that has transpired, about the jealousy that she's feeling toward Lynn because she thinks that they have a connection. When if you look at her hair and how it's grown, it's been about two years, give or take, that she's been his apprentice. And it's really just her love for him and it is like a father-daughter love where she really just looks up to this man she really would give anything for him and she's seeing him connect with someone else and that really just brings out like a just ferality within her i just love her entire the the whole ending where she's just screaming like fix me like why are, you, why are you choosing her? And she's just going mad about it. I just love that. And that's the scene that made me cry. Like, I was not expecting that because I've actually performed that as a monologue in acting in college. And I know that scene word for word, but it just something about it this time just like made me cry. And I'm just, I love Amanda so much. And I know that a lot of people, Amanda's either a, you love her or you hate her. And I don't relate to female characters very much at all. I really can count on maybe one hand the female characters that I even like in any kind of fiction. That's just me. I usually gravitate towards relating to male characters, but Amanda is my favorite female fictional character of all time. And I can't even say why. I just really feel drawn to her. And it's not because I'm a murderer. I swear, I'm not a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) I just really love the way that she feels for John. And she just really would do anything to please him. And when she doesn't get that in return, and she realizes that it's all been a ploy, and she's the one on the chopping block, that just really gets me. Probably because like from past experiences, thinking you know someone, you trust someone, and then you just get completely thrown under the bus. That just really struck a chord with me this time. And it's something that I really love about Amanda and her character. And and to be honest, that was probably my favorite 
part of the movie was that culmination of events where it all comes together and we realize why they're all tied in together and why he's been doing this the whole time. And just like the viewer realizing it, I think is such a great thing before any of the other characters do in, in the film. To be honest, I wasn't the biggest fan of Amanda. I'm, I'm team follow the rules. It's not that hard. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of sympathy for her, but her performance was great. And I would also love to see footage of that monologue being performed at like an acting event, because that's <laughs> a brilliant choice. Um, but as much as I did enjoy this movie, worst part has to be the scene where you see John in that beanie painting the doll because he looked like a geriatric Slim Shady. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> oh I was like, I gosh. never need to see this. Cut this from the movie and re- reprint it. Waiting for him to start singing Stan or something. <laughs> Dear Slim, I wrote you, but you're still I think the worst part, if I had to like pick one, was I think the... Um, in each of these traps, um, Jeff has to pick between, you know, something that he's been holding on to or some, and like someone's life, you know, and if he's going to be the person like to, you know, be able to get through this and, you know, save everyone and be like, okay, cool. Like I'm grieving, but I'm going to give people a second chance. Um, just like I'm being given a second chance, supposedly, whatever, in some messed up jigsaw way. But hey, it works in a movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Does it? Because it seems it, like it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, there's <laughs> there's still a bunch of movies, so no one's learning their lesson, I don't think. Nobody wins. In fact, I'd argue it gives him just a God complex where he thinks saying I forgive you actually does something for their life. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Keep watching the movies, okay? Uh, <laughs> you learn way more about it i'm pretty sure a freezer chick doesn't come back as a popsicle <laughs> a sexy popsicle <laughs> to me the odds were always something hard for him to choose um between but like when you get in the scene with the judge i was like oh i, I know there was that backstory with the stuffed animal and his daughter taking it but like to me i didn't think there was much to give um for him to give up just to burn the things and burn the items of a, of dylan i was just like oh this is the, I I, under, I mean, I don't know, maybe because I don't have many things that I have attachments to like that. One, they've also been taken away from me recently. Um, but, <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I mean, I guess there are some possessions that I do have that I would be upset if they were gone. But I guess I just didn't feel like the stakes were super high. Like I, I would just press the button and get, but that's just me. Interesting that you say that. So I'm not attached to a lot of the material possessions that I have acquired. However, if I'm given something, it like travels with me forever. So the only thing that I could connect with Jeff on and what made me tear up with just a little bit was the dynamic with his daughter taking the stuffed animal. And it was just like, I just wanted to sleep with something, right? Because you like this movie focuses so much on the grief of Jeff very selfishly instead of like you know diving more into like how you know lynn is processing everything obviously not well and how it's impacting their marriage but then you see this little girl who just lost her brother and has also lost her parents and she loses her parents before she ever loses her parents and that is that was the one thing that was like fuck because i mean i'm someone who like grew up with two older brothers two older sisters and that was the emotional pull for me so when he had to burn those things I thought he wasted a lot of time in a lot of traps. I think lingering at that was the only excusable time he ever wasted time. Wow. 
this is a shocking revelation. That actually reminded me that the scene with the daughter was my other worst part because he was so mean to that little girl. And I've never (laughs) lost a child, but I feel like being mean to the one child you have left is not the way to go. For sure. I think he was an asshole and it was also the worst, one of the worst parts of that movie. But I think that dynamic and just like her situation was the most emotional point for me. Mm, I feel that. Okay. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm just someone who's extremely sentimental with whether it's things that someone has gifted me or things that I have. Like I'll I have notes from my friends in high school and I graduated 10 years ago, you know. I I keep I keep everything. I it, honestly if one of my personal possessions that is my very favorite thing in the world is a prop suit that I won at a prop auction that Will Graham from the Hannibal TV show Hugh Dancy wore in the show. That's probably my favorite thing. And if that was in there, I'd be like, if it's not immediate family, I'm like, bye. <laughs> that's my that's my prop outfit that Hugh Dancy wore. Sorry. Good luck. <laughs> you know? But uh, I will say that uh, like I, how I said I hate the ending, I find it so unnecessary how the little girl was taken. She didn't do anything. You know, why was she put somewhere and it says she's running out of air, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, that I think was so unnecessary. And like, I get it's something that's supposed to tug at your heartstrings and be like, oh my gosh, now he's locked in. She's dead. Whereas little girl, what's going to happen? And I remember very, very vividly the first time watching this movie with my mom and her being so upset about that. She's like, what about the little girl? What about the little girl? Like freaking out. And I was like, I, it didn't bother me too much, but it, it just really is unnecessary. And like, not to go into spoilers for further on in the films, but if you know some of John's backstory, that does not fit his character whatsoever. Honestly, it made no sense. I think that part was just completely extra just to add like a another little stab to the heart. I think, you know, focusing on that family dynamic, I think one of the best parts of this movie and one of the one of the real opportunities for me to consider grading this differently was the complexity of Lynn's character. Take away her performance, but the complexity of her, right? Like with all this tragedy that has befallen that family, you know, I was someone who, like, I don't remember what it felt like to see this in 2006, but I do remember that that's not her husband in the beginning. There's, like, a level of casual dismissiveness that she has with him. Like, I feel like it's hard to believe that they would be married. That's the part I remembered, too. Yeah. So, but looking at her, you know, this, like, the way she moves through the movie, the way she's, like having to to navigate to navigate her own grief and still be in that stressful of a position where she has lives depending on her and to see her having to contend with that right like she goes in there's a little boy there her son's dead it's like all this flavor that you get in retrospect rewatching it i absolutely love her character and i feel like the biggest tragedy of this is her death Because I feel like it wasn't necessary. She should have been released. I think her daughter deserved her mother at the end of it all. I agree with that. Also, uh, I realized that I found a kind of plot hole when I was watching it today where Amanda calls Lynn self-centered. And later in the film, you find out that she didn't know any of Lynn's backstory. And she didn't know that Lynn and Jeff were married. She didn't know any of that. So why did she call 
her self-centered when she didn't know that whole backstory. That made no sense uh, because the whole thing with her cheating and that whole not being known and you think that that's her husband, but it's actually just someone she's having an affair with the whole time. She did, Amanda didn't know about any of that. And so why did she say whenever she grabs her and she said, did I bring you to him or did I bring your self-centered ass here? And that makes no sense if she didn't know her backstory. Like you just met her. How do you know she's self-centered? Like what's going on there? So I kind of found that little thing in there. Yeah. The only thing I can even think to try to chalk it up to is if like she's implying that she must be self-centered if she doesn't feel disturbed emotionally by John's condition and she's not as passionate, but that is a big reach. Like that, that's definitely an issue. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I may be wrong, but I just, I don't know. I found that and I was like, oh, okay. She's calling herself centered because she's cheating on her husband. Her little boy just died. She's leaving her husband and her daughter to grieve alone. So you think mm -hmm. that it's about that. And then I totally forgot at the end when John said, you didn't know this whole thing. It's that doesn't connect to me. It's so interesting how some of like the side characters are, are some of the best characters in this film. So Timothy Young, for instance, just seeing that grief, you know, happen when we get the flashback of, of the accident. Um, I mean, we don't know anything about the character up until that point. We just know this is the person that we've been searching for this whole film, apparently a child killer. But then we see this like grounding in reality where it's like this accident happened and he's just absolutely just torn to bits. And I, I found him to be one of the most realistic people in this film because of that, because you know, this thing wasn't on purpose. It was an accident. And now it makes more sense why the sentence was perhaps so short, maybe why there was some leniency. And just seeing that like remorse, seeing that, that grief, seeing just that feeling of guilt all in that like split second during a flashback to me, I just, I don't know. I really connected with that. My sister and I have the same opinion on this uh, character that like, it's one of those, well, it's Jeff, but uh, <laughs> it's just, I'm just like, you're taking so freaking long. Either move it or lose it. Like, let's go. Like, I don't know. And I think that's just because I've seen these movies. I'm like, come on. I know time, time, time. Like, you got to finish this. You got to do this. You got to do that. You've got a whole other, like, some more. You need to figure this out, what you're going to do. Um, and I know sometimes... Um, the victims or whoever's playing the game is locked in a room sometimes. So they actually can't get out till they make a decision. But um, so maybe he has to watch that. But he was just so annoying to me. Like it wasn't, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it was. I just was very off put by his character, whether it was purposely done or if I was like, he's a jerk, but I kind of feel bad. But like, is his acting okay? I didn't know. Like I was like, maybe it's just really good acting and I can't. <laughs> See, I have no idea. <laughs> That's something about him. Here's the thing, right? Like, I get the conflict as he's moving through the rooms. Like, do you really want to help the people who had a hand that you perceive in, like, what was the ruining of your life? It could be argued that that was a horrific. And I think that's a, a thing that could ruin so many lives, right? But the it's like a compound effect where his actions afterward contributed to the ruining of his life. But to see... The, the the woman in the freezer die the way she did because he was so slow and then still take his time with everyone else like that's when he's just cemented cemented as a shitty person in my book i think we could also say that he is an idiot because 
after the first door he went through closed behind him and locked, he didn't think to prop open the second door and got got the second time. That part, Alexis, when you're talking about how so slow he is, it drives me nuts. Like when he finally gets the key and he's just like, oh, where does this go? I have no idea. Just like poking Uh. it. It's like you're poking it in air. It's like you're not even trying to do it. Like, And the guy, his head is like turning. It's like, come on, dude. And he's just, oh, no. <laughs> you're not yeah, picking out I- a soup or something. You're trying to save some of his life. Talk exactly. And he turns around and she's like, dead. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Timothy Young was part of a very tragic thing. And I can understand never like, you know, being able to forgive someone for that. I'm just saying, if you look objectively, I think Timothy Young had more to offer the world than Jeff. Just saying it. And it said mm-hmm. that he was a medical student, too. He could have saved a lot of lives. I mean, for the life that he took, right? Yeah. And then Jeff's just over here just being a slowpoke. Exactly. He literally could have taken his shirts and like used them, too. Because I'm like, hmm, interesting. I know every time I see the traps, I'm like, how can I get out of this with that, with the least harm? That's the thing with the Timothy Young death is that it makes no sense because he says, are you willing to take a bullet to save a life? And he does it without even getting shot. He shoots the other guy, you know, like he's not even in the way. And even when the judge is over there, like messing with the key box and he's like, oh my God, it's like, dude, your arm is far enough down where you, you could just stand to the side, yank it, you'll be fine. You know, like why, like, why are you... People have depth perception, you know, you would, he would be able to do it and be just fine. So why does it take so long to get the key when he, Jeff doesn't even get hurt? (laughs) It makes no sense. The whole positioning of that scene just makes no sense. It's like nobody's taking these things seriously enough in this film. That's, that's what it feels like. He's just like strolling through this, this maze and like, oh, they're dead. What's, uh, what's next? All right. And okay. I could say, all I have to do is like stand on one foot and this guy stays alive. Like maybe i don't know maybe it's worth it maybe not it's like dude like take this seriously here's the thing it's it's a box there's a gun there's a key in front of it you should just look at that and be like all right get it from the side boom pull it out here's the key unlock this dude uh and then i'm gonna beat him to a pulp because i'm so angry at him but i should be the one to do it not some other person twisting them in half but no he just he's like but do i want to I don't know. It's yeah. not a big deal. And then he's screaming at Timothy. He's like, I forgive him. It's like his head's turned around. He's not hearing you, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. the fucking words. <laughs> okay. Like, you're at this point, you're only saying, I forgive you because you think that it's going to help you survive. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with Jeff. It's performative. Exactly. Jeff moves through the world unchecked by any bad circumstance that is not just suddenly the death of his son. It's like you can tell that he's never had to struggle for anything. He's never had to like, you know, deal with any like real consequence until everything suddenly comes crashing down. And so he can't even understand that he holds people's lives in his hands and he can't even break himself away from just thinking about anything but himself and the way he feels for that. And it's just so infuriating. And like when he just puts his hand on John Kramer's stomach, he's like, I forgive you. And then he's like, Zoom! <laughs> and it's like, <Yep>. no, <laughs> like, that's not forgiveness, bro. <laughs> On the subject of John Kramer, uh, I want to say that he as a character sucks. He's definitely complex <laughs> in an interesting way, but ultimately horrible sense of like morals and just judgment in general. He's kind of an asshole and a douche for doing any of these things. <laughs> He's more than kind of an asshole. He's an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. And then just to be so pious to be like, I'm helping these people. Like, bitch, 
go go die just die now and rigid rid the world of this you are a cancer to society but speaking of things going unchecked chris if it were not for my favorite character uh detective carrie donnie Wahlberg would have been completely unchecked throughout the entire second movie so she gets my favorite character in this movie i think i would have liked to see more of her here because she was excellent at her job and had a gorgeous head of hair um but, you know, she had to go. At least it was like a fun, cool death, though. But did she have to go? I feel like she died because she was good at her job, and that's not fair. No, it's not. But neither is Jigsaw or Amanda. Yeah, Lynn, obviously, I didn't want to die, but I, I didn't see any need for... Like, the whole time when they're, like, playing the tape for her, it's like, where's your fucking point? What did yeah, she Yeah, what do? did she do wrong? Who are you even? That's when Amanda was off the rails. She has better hair than you? What is the deal? <laughs> Definitely. Better hair. hair envy. We all have it sometimes. Can we talk about Amanda in that like terrible little choppy wig for those few scenes? <laughs> right. That was like some party city wig. Yeah. The um the like preview image that they use on HBO Max, which is where I watched this, has just a photo of her in that wig, like looking at John Kramer. And I was just like, what is that wig? And why is this being showed? cased in such bright light i actually have a funny story about that uh when i was in line to meet tobin in dallas uh a couple years ago i was with my friends and there was this woman with her young son with her going to get his autograph and they you know how i don't know if you've ever been to a convention but they have all of the pictures and all of that like laid out that you can pick up and then they'll sign that right and it comes free with the autograph with all these prints (laughs) it's gonna make me laugh but i had i was standing right there with my friends and i heard the mom say to her young son they were looking through the pictures which one should we have tobin sign and she points at the picture of her with that wig and all that uh, with John Kramer staying right next to Amanda with that choppy wig, points out and says, oh, get the one where he's talking to the little boy. <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's a little boy. And I was like, oh, my God. And I started busting out laughing. What a hilarious moment. A wig can make or break anything. It was very much like early 2000s, probably like a vaguely emo phase style wig. Yeah. It was very specific. Very that. But. I don't know, man. Okay, so the wig is like one element of Amanda, Amanda's character. I feel like that is like a defining phase in her life. But I will say that she did have one of the hysterical performances. So like there's like all this hysteria. I get why people would like be drawn to that. Right. And and I understand that. So it's not even like it was the worst thing. It was just like, man, this character could have been so cool if she didn't just suddenly lose it over like a, a hand holding However, I'm going to really hope that there's like more to add to that. Like there's some element in that letter, right? That, that like, explains something further. But the real hysterical performance was Lynn's overacting. The much like, ah! like suddenly just like rage screaming. And it's like, fucking calm down. You're being wheeled somewhere. <laughs> you, are, you are surrounded by things that are vaguely familiar with you. You don't need to just randomly grunt after you've stopped grunting. It's just, what are you doing? It's just that it was disappointing. Her whole, her whole, uh, the whole like, get off me. And she's like screaming. I, I, I know exactly what, which part you're talking about too. It's like, oh my God, that was so extra. <laughs> yeah. Just dial it down like 30% and then you might be where everyone else is in this movie. Read the room, Lynn. Just read it the room but wait that also just reminded me of the scene in the beginning where lynn is like after she operates on that young boy and the other nurse is like what's wrong with you the lynn i know would have been here an hour ago right on the scene and it's like her 
son died, maybe be a little compassionate to her situation. I wonder why she was reluctant to come help in this situation. Right, it was very Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So fuck that nurse. Good thing she did help because that other guy was about to do something real wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me question the cred- the credentials of the rest of the medical staff there. I will safely say, though, that uh, in spite of how much I like to win, in spite of the other things that I can appreciate about this movie, I will. I am very comfortable and saying I will never watch this again. Are you going to watch any other of the other ones? Yeah, I will watch it when we have to review it for the podcast. I'm not going to inflict that upon myself because here's the thing, right? When she has to. <laughs> right. When I, when I have to. Because here's the thing. Why am I going to watch something knowing that I'm probably not going to like it? And then just like want to like dread it, right? Like I'd rather go into those episodes thinking fresh like... Okay, I haven't seen this before. Open mind, etc. I feel like it's different just like watching it just to watch it. And it's not something that I already enjoy and am in- inclined to enjoy. So it feels like it'd be a waste of an opportunity. Chris, I'm going to be a little bit different from you here. So I think if you start watching Saw, the OG, you should get through number three. I think it's it's kind of part of an essential story in my mind, having seen all three of them a couple of times. I do feel that it wraps it up kind of well. And I mean, for me, that was the point where I stopped watching Saw, but I think obviously we've been encouraged to keep going. And many people I think will and probably should, you know, if this is if this is your cup of tea. I think if I had just seen one and two, I would have missed something had I not watched this film. So I, I, I do think it has some rewatch value. Will I watch it again? Probably. <laughs> probably just because I'll end yes. up you know what I mean not I'm not gonna make a deliberate thing of like every you know third Thursday of the month or something but I think it's been one of those things where it's like all right I'm gonna watch saw four and saw five eventually um and then I'm gonna be like all right what exactly happened in three I'm gonna go rewatch that you might want to watch four and five fairly fairly soon so you can understand oh. what happened in three okay well, well, I mean, they go in sequential order, but right. don't worry. I'm sure those are previously on every saw ever. Right. And you know, it's going to come up in the lineup. <laughs> I will watch this movie again. I have rewatched the original many, many times. I rewatched the second one many, many times, but I had never rewatched this third one. Um, I don't know why. I think I it was after I got to that point where I was like, eh, saw. Uh, but I'll definitely watch this again. It's solid. And like Max said, like it's part of a, a little trilogy. What about you, Jordan? Are you going to rewatch this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. The excitement on that. <laughs> I like how y'all even ask. <laughs> yeah. So I know this is your favorite film in the entire franchise. Do you think you might ever rewatch it? <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, right. Are you on a schedule? Do you, do you rewatch these on like on a regular basis like we do some of our other films? I... Like with any hyperfixation I have, I bounce between hyperfixations. I, one second, I'll be playing the same video game over and over for like two weeks. And then I'll be like, oh, it's time to rewatch that movie I watched that I became obsessed with years ago. And I'll watch that over and over for about two weeks. And then I'll bounce around. That's, I'm really, really bad at consuming new media that I've never seen because I'm like, okay, I'm in a bad mood. I'm going to watch something that I've already seen that I know is good because I don't want to spend my time on something that I don't know is good or not. So I have a really hard time uh, consuming new media for that reason. But I just bounce around. Honestly, I have like 10 things that I'm obsessed with and I just bounce around. And so I probably have my saw phase where I'll rewatch all of them at least once every six months. Uh, 
But I have, before this, previously when I had to rewatch it today just so that it could be fresh in my mind, I hadn't seen any of the Saw movies in probably about two or three months. So uh, it really just depends on what mood I'm in, you know? Yeah, I'm just hyperfixating on the term hyperfixate, which I'd never learned until now. And it's <laughs> my whole childhood and life now. Yeah. I thought it was my toxic trait. Same. But I guess it's not a toxic trait. It's <laughs> well, a... Uh... I'm reading about it now. It's a coping mechanism that can sometimes be too much, which is when you like use it as a method of avoidance, which is, hello, my whole life. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm going to fall down a rabbit hole reading about this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jordan, it's interesting because you mentioned earlier that you discovered a couple things, right? You discovered a plot point. You, f- you felt these emotions for the first time. I would be curious to know if there's a lot more that you learned about this movie, and I'm sure there is to learn on every watch. But let's take a pause on that thought and actually learn a little bit more about this movie with Max Factor Fiction. Yeah, let's do that. Let's start out with number one. Does the bathroom scene look familiar? The original Saw set was reused for three, as is from the first Saw film, as Saw 2 was greenlit upon the original's release, and Saw 3 was greenlit during Saw 2's release. Okay, I actually know the answer to this because, Mac, you used this in the Factor Fiction for this second episode. I'm pretty sure. Or it, somebody did. Mm. And the answer is no, it's not the same bathroom. Fiction. Yeah, fiction is what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're both right. Jordan, why are they right? So Saw 3 didn't actually use the bathroom set from the first two Saw films because they had destroyed it. So what they had to do was they had to go with the bathroom scene that was set up for Scary Movie 4. <gasps> Scary Movie 4, if you don't know, the very first scene has Dr. Phil. <laughs> uh, it's a spoof of Saw. And so they ended up using that scene that they created for the Saw 3 because it was an exact duplication. Oh, that's interesting. And impressive. It really is that they got it so perfect that they were able to use it in a legitimate Saw movie. Mm -hmm. Well, number two, Rob Zombie, Chris's favorite Halloween remake director, (laughs) helped edit Saw 3 to tone down the gore. I've never felt more hate in my heart than I do right now. (laughs) That sentence. That feels fabricated. I'm going to say fiction. Yeah, I'm going to say fiction too. Is it a fiction though, Jordan? That's true. What? Uh, Rob Zombie, the first cut of Saw 3 was actually rated NC-17, which could not be shown in theaters. And so they had to get Rob Zombie, who of course is very uh, famous for Devil's Rejects and all his other films, and he knows what is allowed on screen and what's not. So they asked him along to help edit the film so that they could get it down from an NC-17 to a R rating. And his work isn't even credited in the credits. Wow. It's absolutely wild. They sent it over to the MPAA Ratings Jedi Council seven times before they actually got it the uh, the last time there. Moving on to number three. Those disgusting-looking pig carcasses were bought from a local pig farm, and the pig grinder scene had to be filmed quickly as to not deal with rotting swine flesh on set. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say uh, fiction on the grounds that I don't know. I th- There were too many pigs. I don't think you can buy that many rotted, nasty pigs. I hope not. I love how sometimes we feel like we have to define why it's a fact or a fiction as if we're getting bonus points. I respect <laughs> it. Well, I always like to show my work. I know the answer, so it's fiction. It is. Yeah, it is okay. indeed fiction, <laughs> but I know that Jordan has some cool details about this. So they're actually made of foam latex, the pigs, but the maggots were real. Um, yeah, the maggots were real. They actually got them to stick to the 
fake pig carcasses by using honey. They slathered them with honey and then they put the maggots on there. They were disinfected maggots, but really how disinfected could you get maggots? <laughs> you can't. That's the answer. I actually believe that because I yeah. fully saw those maggots <laughs> wiggling. <laughs> Look, they're just tasty snacks built into a tasty snack. That's all. Mm, Slimy yet satisfying. Matata <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> indeed. And now let's go to the last one for the night. Not only does this film have the longest runtime of the series, but it also is the highest grossing. I'm going to say fact because this movie was a a solid two hours long, which was a surprise to me because the other two were a a tight one and a half hours. Um, And also the third one, I feel like was like the peak of the Saw hype. So I could see this being the highest grossing. I don't know because I feel like they hyped up Jigsaw, but um, I have no idea on this. So I'm going to say fact. Jordan, the last one. Is this a fact? Uh, that is a fact. It is the longest runtime, and it's also the highest earning with 164.9 million US dollars. That's a lot of dollars. <laughs> 12 of those were mine when I saw this in theaters. <laughs> well, thank you all. That has been Fact or Fiction. Ooh, what an educational experience indeed. And thank you so much, Jordan, for coming through with the facts. You're welcome. Yeah, it's good to balance out Mac's algorithm every once in a while because sometimes (laughs) he gets a little bit easy to read for Paris and Alexis. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, you guys have just started like disregarding the information and trying to pick up (laughs) on his like subtle, (laughs) subtle little ticks and personality traits. Beating the system. I don't know. He had like three commas in there. Feels like a lie. (laughs) Now... Obviously, we have discussed so much in this episode, and I think this has definitely been the most educational Saw experience that we've had on the show so far. And there are a lot of things that we have left to say, right? The conversation doesn't end here. It did get three slashes and two hacks from us, but we still want to know what you think. Jordan, where can our listeners find you? Uh, So I recently changed my YouTube name to Spooky Jordy, which is uh, J-O-R-D-I-E, like die at the end. Ooh, spooky. And (laughs) very on brand. Yeah. So I I make a little of everything on my YouTube, but I decided that I'm going to go towards more of a horror niche and do things just about horror, but every now and then show something else to show my personality. So if you're interested, if you like my pretty little voice, please come say hello on there. Also, I have an Instagram and a Twitter under YJordy, which is W-H-Y-J-O-R-D-I-E, once again, like die. So if you want to come say hello, please do so. I would really love to have you. Excellent. Well, speaking of Instagram and Twitter, there are still other ways that you can reach out to us. You know that you can reach out to us at our website, hackerslash.com. On our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have been a survivor of a trap of jigsaws, you can reach out to us at our hackerslash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to leave us an audio message. And that also goes if you think you know how to beat these traps. Or if you were shot in the neck and left to bleed out while your psychopath mentor lay dying in a hospital bed, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. Also, check out hackerslash.com slash merch. There may be a new item there. Spoiler alert, it's a slasher enthusiast hoodie. Go buy it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Toodles. Toodles.